0: Welcome to the MarTech
1: Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss why brands need a marketing effectiveness philosophy in a data-driven world. Joining us is Kevin Tate, who is the Chief Revenue Officer at Clearbit, which is a data marketing engine for customer interactions. Clearbit helps businesses grow by providing tools that help them deeply understand their customers, identify future prospects, and highly personalize every single marketing and sales interaction. And today, Kevin and I are going to discuss marketing data philosophy. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with the Chief Revenue Officer at Clearbit, Kevin Tate. Kevin, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Excited to have you as a guest. Really excited to not only meet you, but have a representative from Clearbit here. You're an institution when it comes to marketing technology and our use of data. Thanks for coming on and being our guest.
2: Thank you. Yeah. At the ripe old age of five and a half years.
1: Has Clearbit only been around for less than six years? I think, yeah, 2016. I must have been introduced to your company like right as it was growing. And maybe you came out of the gate like a ball of fire. (laughs) But I feel like Clearbit's been around for a long time. So first off, if anybody hasn't heard of Clearbit, why don't you give us a little description of who you are and what you do?
2: So Clearbit provides data, And an activation platform for companies to get the full picture about their target market, the customers that are on their website, the customers that are in their CRM and systems, and then use that full picture to improve their acquisition of those customers, their conversion of those customers, especially on their website, and then make all of their go-to-market operations smarter. The way that I think about Clearbit is when somebody gives you
1: an email address, Clearbit will tell you their name, company, title, all the other information. So it makes it easier for you to understand who your customers are and prospects are without actually having to ask them for that data up front. Is that a fair categorization?
2: It is. And that piece is kind of like having the, I don't know, ultimate, ultimate business card if you had a business card that was as big as a table and on the back it had, and, and these are the technologies they use, and this is how many employees, and these are their... Yeah, I mean, you would have everything you need for that company. But the other piece too is, whereas we used to need an email address or a domain in order to bring back everything about that company, now we can do that based on reverse IP lookup plus our own AIML around company ID. So that someone who lands on your website, we can very often say, oh, and they're from this company, and here's everything you need to know about that company, even before you have their email address or their domain.
1: So it's interesting. We've had, I think his name is Adam Robinson from Get Emails. Adam, sorry if I'm getting the last wrong name, but Get Emails is a company that basically does a lookup. When somebody comes to your website, it can give you their email address, and people have mixed emotions about whether that is okay, you know whether it gets you into privacy concerns, you know it's kind of legal gray area, let's call it. and it gets us into talking about marketing data philosophy. So let's talk a little bit about clearbit and, and your marketing data philosophy. You're obviously able to get information about people that are coming to a website or filling out a form. What's the appropriate use of that data? you know how do you define what a marketing data philosophy is?
2: I would say first and foremost, having the full picture and having that marketing data available as you try to start a conversation with a customer or uh, shepherd that customer along in their journey, learning about your company, understanding a potential match, and then helping your sales team address them in the smartest way possible. All that goes into customer understanding and customer communication. And I think that is the best use of this data. Oftentimes for a sales team and a marketing team that are working together to address a market using data, it comes down to prioritization and personalization. And the prioritization piece is of all the companies that I could spend energy on and could try to start conversations with, which ones are the best fit for me? And how do I do that in the best way? And then the personalization gets to things like relevance, content targeting, understanding how to have a conversation that doesn't seem to start from scratch every time a person comes to your website or engages with a new person on your sales team. So we think a lot about those two and the role that data can play in making those more effective for a go-to-market team. So tell me a little
1: bit more about the philosophy portion of this. I understand the idea of connecting your marketing and sales team, and there's value that is for the end consumer by not having to basically give all the information to every customer to ask them to figure out if they should profile and target you. There's a philosophical component to this as well. When you think about the actual marketing data philosophy, do you think that's more what data should we capture? What should we ask for? How do we use it? Let's get philosophical.
2: So two pieces come to mind when we think about the philosophy. The first is, and for context, I've spent 25 years of my career in a range of industries, all B2B focused and all somehow working with data from very, very early days of the internet, a company called iPro, Internet Profiles, trying to collect data about internet users in 96. But the role of data and the role it plays in the MarTech stack has changed a ton, even just in the last few years. And the The maybe not perfect analogy that I find myself thinking about is music. So as someone who's always enjoyed music, I've always had, you know, what were CDs and then digital. And so for a long time, I had to think a lot about where is it stored? What hard drive is it in? How am I going to get access to it when I want to listen to it and on what device and so on? And now all that seems kind of silly, right? Whatever music it is that I want to listen to, is on tap. And I can use Spotify, I can use Apple Music, and why would the device matter? It's all just right there. And so I think, to an extent, the availability and role of data in the MarTech stack has become more on tap than it used to be. And that opens up a lot of possibilities for real-time intelligence and real-time use and activation of the data at all these different apps and touch points. So I think that philosophically changes how we think about data and where it might be used. Time
1: for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, MuteNex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. I'll chime in here and say one of the saddest moments of my life was my freshman year of college going back for the second semester. I had a book of 200 CDs, which was every bit of music I'd ever listened to. And I left it in a taxi cab because there were no Ubers back then. And guess what? All of my music was gone it's not necessarily a problem we have anymore. Going back to your data analogy is now everything's in the cloud and the same thing happens with our data, right? You can't just lose your data by leaving it somewhere. It's not like your server goes down. All that's backed up in the cloud for most people. And so we've basically built in data flexibility and retention as part of our ongoing lifestyle.
2: I had those binders too. It's a different way of thinking about the role of data and the availability of data, the immediacy of data. But I think one of the things I also learned early on about data before it was quite as ubiquitous or quite as accessible was it pays dividends to think about what data you want to collect and what you're going to do with it before you start all that. Because even if it's not a question of storage or access so much anymore, it focuses the activity and the outcomes. And when we're working with customers around focusing their use of data and their improvements to their funnel, very often the ICP, the ideal customer profile, the way that they define that and all the different versions of that, and then the way they put data like ours to work to really understand that and find patterns and increase the precision with which they can approach or engage customers that match those ICP definitions, that ends up being the philosophy, if you will, behind how they're using the data. And of all the things they could do, What should they do around their ICP? So accessibility
1: is less of the concern. It's less about what are you going to capture? How are you going to capture it? It's more what data are you interested in collecting and how can you connect it to the right consumers? Who is your segmentation? So data is feeding more into sort of the best practices of performance marketing, it sounds like.
2: Yeah, which I think is a really interesting analogy. I think there's a whole topic to be explored around what can MarTech stacks learn from performance-based and ad platforms. They've been ahead for some time around programmatic and optimization. And now we're starting to see some of that capability come in the MarTech stack. Now that you've got the data and you've got automation and orchestration playing a bigger role, How do you start to build systems and self-optimizing processes that take advantage of that data, of that context? An example around the ICP piece is being able to know not just demographic stuff, where's the company located, how many places it have, whatever, but being able to know what technologies they're using. Is this a company that has Salesforce or Marketo or HubSpot at its core? That tells you a lot about what type of company they are and what other solutions might be a fit, right? We see this a lot with companies who are e-commerce focused and knowing that they have Stripe or PayPal on the back end tells a prospective vendor a lot about the ecosystem they're selling into with that customer. So just a little data can go a long way when it's put in the context of customer or target market precision.
1: So, Kevin, one of the things that we've noticed is not just the marketing data philosophies have changed. It's not just thinking about what you should grab and how you're going to house it. Data is becoming more ubiquitous. But part of that is the lines between different business functions are starting to either be grade or the walls are coming down. We're seeing sales, marketing and customer success data being implemented across all channels and coming up with this ubiquitous revenue data set as opposed to just being individual siloed channels. How have the philosophies changed across multiple different business units within the organization and are people sort of adopting a universal data philosophy or are we still thinking about data different between different channels?
2: By and large, I think the philosophy we see companies gravitate toward is data foundation. So how do we make sure we have consistent, reliable, fresh, complete data across all those different functions, marketing, sales, customers, success, and operations? And without that, it's very hard to have a common language, read common signals, form hypotheses and test hypotheses that cross the silos. So data foundation is a big piece of it. There's a lot that goes into that. Clearbit's fortunate to work with companies at all different sizes and stages. So when we're working with an earlier stage company, a solution like Clearbit might be that foundation. So we're providing data that is easy to access from those other systems and The ability to cut things in audiences and define their ICP is the big piece. But as companies grow and as their stack grows, you might introduce a CDP, introduce a data warehouse, introduce reverse ETL tools. And so the role that we play as data foundation sort of changes as those different parts of the revenue chain evolve. But I think the philosophy remains the same. We need to be working from a trusted and consistent source of data that allows us to focus and optimize the revenue operations. To me, I think about the data
1: philosophy, and it's moved away from thinking about how to capture and house data. And now as data has become more ubiquitous, we're starting to think about how to use data in a more effective way, and also how that data can be used across multiple channels. So having a common understanding of what data is important, not only in the marketing team, but across sales and customer success really matters. And making sure that everybody in your organization understands what the data sources are, what the definitions of your data is also increasingly important. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Kevin Tate, Chief Revenue Officer at Clearbit for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Kevin and I are going to discuss unifying the MarTech data stack. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Kevin, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you could visit his company's website, which is clearbit.com.